dive into this message, and we have a few minutes. Uh, last week, we, we started this message, and I guess I'm maybe going to turn it into a series if you're talking about the same thing twice. So um, we are going to start in um, Matthew 7. Who was praying about it? It was Tim in prayer. Tim started praying about the narrow gate. You weren't even here last week. You listened to the message? Okay, okay, okay. I was just wondering if you were prophetic, bro. All day, man. No, it really is. It's, I'll tell you what's amazing is that we, we have a prayer service at 4 o'clock. And um, it's amazing what you'll hear as people pray. Especially if you're the one speaking and you've prepared things and you're like, all right, which, which direction are we going, Lord? And then you actually get to hear the community, the prophetic community that, that, that we're in. And you get to hear all the voices and all the hearts come together collectively and start sharing things and praying for things. And it's like, okay, we are all on one accord. We are all in the right place. And it gives us great confidence that God is going to do something amazing. And I believe that he's already done things that are beyond our ability to even articulate, even through worship, even thus far. So I'm going to just share a few things that are on my heart. Um, let's come out of Matthew 7. That was our main verse um, last week. It should be up there on the screen. Thank you, Emmanuel. I gave him scriptures at the very last minute. And guys, really, I, I, I thank our team here. From the worship team to production, taking pictures, doing kids, setting stuff up, tearing stuff down. What you have done unto the least of these, you have done unto me. And I just, uh, it's amazing to just be in this community with people that truly love Jesus and everything that they do is an offering to the Lord. Everything is an offering unto the Lord. Matthew 7, verses 13 through 14, it says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are a few who find it. I used to think the scripture was just talking about salvation. I believe that it's so much more. I believe that it is salvation, um, but I believe that it is our entire life's journey. As I was reading this, I, I, a couple things just kind of stuck out to me just about this verse. But it says, wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. It says, and there are many who go in by it. And I just feel like this is just the easy way. Actually, I think the Amplified Version actually says easy. It's the easy way. It's the high life. My wife and I went to this uh, five-star hotel the other day and got a dinner at a restaurant. And it was a special night. It's not something I do every Friday night. But I'm sitting in this place, and I'm seeing all the cars roll up, the Ferraris, the Lambos, Rolls Royce. I mean, seriously, all of them. And you're like, man, what do these people do? Where's my, my, my Highlander? There, there's, the, there's the Toyota Highlander, you know. It is a good car. It's an awesome car, and I praise God for it. It's the easy way. It's the deceptive way. Thinking that you have something, and you don't have it. Revelation 3 actually talks about this. It says, you know, you think that you're rich. You think you got whatever you got. Think you know about everybody on the face of the planet, what LeBron's doing. 
what Taylor Swift's doing. All these big names. Fascinated by all them. Got this life. Balling out of control, right? Got everything I need. He says, but actually you don't realize. You really don't realize, just as Eve didn't realize when she actually took what the Lord told her not to take. It says that you're broke, you're empty, you're wretched, you're poor, and you're blind. But then he circles back around and he says, but I counsel you. I counsel you to actually make an exchange with me. Give your life to me, just like the rich young ruler when he walked up to Jesus. I want to serve you, Jesus. I want to give my life to you, Jesus. I want to do life with you, Jesus. Okay, bro. One thing. I just want you to go sell all that you have. I want you to give your life completely away and then walk with me. And then it says that he walked away disheartened. And it even says that Jesus loved him. Jesus had such a longing and affection for him to actually go on this journey with him. I counsel you. This is really what the narrow road is actually talking about. I counsel you to actually buy something that you can't buy with tangible assets. You can't acquire in this world. What does it profit a man to gain the entire world but to lose his own soul? Anybody got an answer to that? I haven't actually found anybody that can answer that question. What does it profit a man to gain the entire world but to lose his very own soul? I think about that. What does it profit a man to gain the wealth from the very beginning of time all the way to the very end? All of it. All the kingdoms, all the wealth, all the cars, all the fame, all the notoriety, everything. But to lose your own soul. The wide road leads to destruction. There's a verse in Proverbs that says, There is a way that seems right to a man. It says, But in the end, it leads to death. There's a, there's a way that seems right to us sometimes, especially to the ones who aren't walking with Jesus. There is a way that seems right to the senses, looks right, feels right, just like it did in the garden with Adam and Eve. With Eve, it looked good. Fruit looks good. You know, it's going to give me some wisdom. I'm going to be like God, although I've already been made in His image and His likeness. But somehow I think I'm just going to eat this thing that the Lord has told me not to eat because He's withholding something from me. If I choose Jesus, I must, I must be losing because all of a sudden now I've got, I can't do all this. And the enemy came to Eve and he got her to actually make a decision. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it actually leads to not what you want. Isn't that amazing? I believe it's in... I believe it's in Romans 12. No, it's in Hebrews 12, where Jesus is actually talking about there's a, there's a contest that he had to experience where he ultimately had to shed his blood, and he's challenging us that we haven't actually been to that, that, that point of, of pressure and suffering and challenge. But he says that he wrestled with sinners, it says, who opposed their own souls. He has me on this channel right now. Who opposes their very own souls. 
He says, I set before you life and death. I set before you every day life and death. Tree of life, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I set before you life and death. And then he tells you, now choose life. Back in Birmingham, when I used to speak a lot to the students up there, I would actually just get them to say, or I'd ask them the question, hey, who in here opposes your own soul? Like, is there anybody in here that just really wants to oppose your own life? Like, put a few roadblocks in your own path. Anybody? Like, who wants to be their own worst enemy? I mean, no, nobody would ever raise their hand. What rational person would? But when the Lord says, come unto me, choose life or choose death in our decision making, we oppose our own soul every day. Narrow is the road, it says, that leads to life. And it says, and a few find it. There's a difference that I see in that scripture where it says the wide road, it says people just naturally just go along with the current, right? Like we talked about in Hebrews 2 last week. Take heed to the word that's been spoken over your life. Take heed to the word of God, least you drift. And amazing as a ship just kind of drifts from its anchor or from its dock. May not be super fast, but it's just a slow drift. But narrow is the gate, and narrow is the way, and difficult, or another version says, constrained is the way that leads to life. And it says, it doesn't say a few go in by it. It says a few find it. So in order to find something, you actually have to search out something. Proverbs 25.2 says, it's for the Lord, for the glory of the Lord, to hide or to conceal a matter but for the glory of a king or queen to search it out. Difficult is the way, because this is really what Tim was talking about in prayer earlier. He was talking about decision making. Jesus walked the narrow way. He was the prototype and he is the pioneer of our faith. He walked the narrow road. And he showed us that he actually died way before he got to the cross. Jesus spent 30 years, really in obscurity, dying. Three years, and we read the majority of our Bible, our New Testament, is written about the three years that Jesus lived on this planet. In all those other years, he was living in obscurity. Nobody knew him. It says that he came to his own, and his own didn't even recognize him. His family didn't even believe who he was. Isn't that amazing? Your own family? Bro, you're not who you say you are. Oh, you healed that person? Must be a devil. I mean, think about that world that he walked through. For 30, 30 years of his life, he was in obscurity for three years. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach, to heal, to set the broken free. I didn't have this verse in my notes, but I'm going to read it real quick. Everybody good? Amen, Ruthie. 
I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, I know. Ruthie's name is Ruthie James. Ruthie James Bird. Um, ties in with my message. I wanted her name to actually be a mark on her life. We all know the story of Ruth. If you've been in your word at all and heard about Ruth, you heard about Ruth Neo? I don't know. If, I think Neo has. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, he's doing a small group on Ruth um, this summer if you want to join him. Airheads will be there in great supply. Ruthie James Bird. And I remember when Tara was, she had this list of all these different names. I was like, super southern names too. I'm like, I didn't know you were, I mean, I'm from the south, and I didn't know you were that far from the south, like deep in the south. All these double names and stuff, I was like, man, I don't know about all the double names, but let's, let's try to find a spot that we can agree on. We both like Ruth. And so it ended up being Ruthie, and James at first, I was like, that's a dude's name. I was like, but you know what? It just, it just, it just, I got there, right? But this is how I got there. James, the half-brother of Jesus, when he opens up his epistle, he says, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can close the chapter on that and be like, wow. Because this dude did not believe who Jesus was. He didn't believe the guy preaching on the stage. He just sat there and listened and just did church as his family just went to church and mom and dad went to church. He didn't believe any of it. Thought the world had a lot more to offer than this guy right here that seems pretty nuts. But then he had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. And he saw Jesus ascend. And he believed with all of his heart that he will come back for his bride. That he is who he says he is. This earth is fleeting and passing away. And it's amazing that he doesn't acknowledge himself as the brother of Jesus. I mean, if Jesus was my brother, I'd be like, this is my real brother. No, like LeBron James is my real brother. And y'all like, no, that dude is not your real brother. You're white and you're short. <clears throat> but for real, I mean, if, if, if we had some type of relation, we'd be like, that's my, that's, my, that's my family member. What was it that James saw that would get him to actually lay down who he really was and to say, I am a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I give my entire life. I will physically lay my life down for this man. That's what happened with James. And that's why we named her Ruthie James Bird, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who actually want to gain in this world will lose. This is not just talking about salvation. It is. It's so much more. Do you believe that God has something and He's fashioned you for so much more than you just trying to just make it through your journey here on this planet just to get to heaven. If John 17, 3 says that this is eternal life, knowing Him, then that has some significant implications for me now. That means that I can walk and feast upon eternal life even now. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't say your will be done only in heaven and please get me there immediately. It doesn't say that. He said, no, I want you to pray this and contend for this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
this verse that I wanted to read that just really came into my heart as we were in worship is uh, Isaiah 58, 6. It says, Is this not the fast that I have chosen? Although this message is not about necessarily fasting. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness? And I want to hear, I want you to hear what it's saying about um, this, this, and I'm going to just go ahead and say this. What he's saying right now, is this not the fast that I have chosen? He's actually saying, will you walk the narrow road? This is what he's saying. It's about a lifestyle. It's not about a 21 days or a 7 days or a 40 days. It's about a lifestyle. Will you hear his voice? I only say what I hear him say, and I only do what I see him do. Will you be that type of person and say yes to the Lord? Yes to the Lord and yes only to the Lord. This is the product of your life. Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Just think as you walk with Jesus, you give your life to the Lord, that this is the impact of your journey on this planet. When I met Tim, a man that's given his life to Jesus, a man that's laid down all other lovers, a man that has become consecrated at this particular juncture in his life, believing the Lord will redeem every moment and redeem every time and that there's no condemnation whatsoever on his life. And as he submits under the yoke of the Holy Spirit, it says this is what's actually going to occur in Tim's life. When people come encounter, when people come in contact and encounter Tim, it says the bonds will be loosed that have actually held them enslaved. All the heavy burdens that are on their life will be broke off. The oppression that's been upon them will be broke off. And it says that every yoke that's actually been laid upon their neck will be broke. It also, in Isaiah, it says that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. So if it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, and we're also talking about a yoke that can be broken by how I fast or how I live my life, then if I walk a narrow road with the Lord, what would be your expectation of your impact? I personally believe that as we actually give our lives more and more to Jesus and make a decision, my time is yours, my money is yours, my affection is yours. Everything that I have and everything that I own is yours. And he becomes Lord over everything. I believe that the prayer in Matthew 6, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, will actually be tangibly encountered among the people that we come in contact with. I'm not going to be able to get through all my notes. <clears throat> So I was studying for this message. Have you ever like gone back and like read Genesis, like one, two, three? The very beginning of time before there was sin. Starts talking about the create the, the created order and the rivers and the garden and all that stuff. It says that man was put in the garden to maintain and cultivate the garden, to expand the rule of the kingdom. It says that they were naked and not ashamed. Shame is all across the planet now because of sin. And then you see the collapse. 
But I go back and look at Genesis 1, 26 and through 28, and I just want you to just hear what God's original intent was. And the reason I'm saying this is because I believe that this is his intent now. Now that Jesus has actually come and he's canceled every debt, and I, I would say that he's given the baton back to us to do what was asked here. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image. And this is challenged right now, right? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I mean, that one's pretty black and white. Um, Male and female, and it's not even about being right. I think that's where we've actually shunned people and pushed people away as Christians because we're right and they're not. It's not about being right. It's about you walking in the divine order that God established for your very life. So that John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life abundantly. This is why you need to go that way. Not because you're wrong and we just beat them over the head with the word. We have to actually give them vision. This is why he paid for your very life so that you could actually be with him. And everything that you long for is only found in Jesus. He wants to give you life, but not just life. He wants to give you an abundant life. The Amplified Version says, so that you may enjoy life. This is what God wants to give you. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and he can only bless his divine order. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Genesis 3.24, after the fall, It says that Jesus actually made clothing for them, which is amazing because we start seeing redemption immediately in the garden. He pushes them out in Genesis 3.24. It says, So he drove out the man and placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Narrow is the way. And he had the word guarding the way. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. I have exalted my word, as Jose said, even above my name. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The narrow way is through the way of the word, not a book. It did not say that in the beginning was a book, a religious text. In the beginning was a boring religious text. And this book, God carried around in his his satchel in heaven. And the book was also God. And then this book came to earth and we just mass produced it. And then we can just sit around and just read it. That's not what it said. It's talking about a person, a living person that became our Savior. 
I shared this last week for you guys that weren't here. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie, the, um, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe movie. Now, I think it was a boy, right, that was walking through the wardrobe, kind of like moonwalking and stumbles, stumbles back into, into Narnia. Is that right? Because I got it wrong last week. I said it was a girl. They all went through. But the first one, she's like, or he's, he's just walking like this. But what's amazing, as they're critiquing me, what's amazing is that they go from one world to another world. And doesn't that, like, just pull on your heart? Just even, like, watching a movie, you're like that. You're like, man, I want to go through the wardrobe. When I pray and I get before the Lord, you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Lord, would you take me through the wardrobe? May this be the wardrobe. May this be what the word is. I'm not reading a book. I'm encountering a person. Come on, can we get that on the inside of us? But not just to say, hey, this is a cool analogy. No, I want to experience this so that we can actually tell people. No, it's, it's, it's way more than a book. We, we, it's like if, if, if somebody were just to capture my words right now as I'm, I'm up here preaching, and they write it down, and you can go back tomorrow and, and read what I said, that's exactly what this is. It is just, we've captured what's been said. We've captured what's happened. But in the beginning was not a book. In the beginning was the Word. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. There is no one that can come to the Father but through this narrow gate and on this narrow road. Jesus came as the living word to bring us back into communion and relationship with the Father. This is eternal life, knowing him, knowing Jesus. You have an opportunity today to actually just say, you know what, I think I know about him, but I really want to know him. How many people are sitting in our churches right now? They know about God, they can do all the Christian calisthenics, but they don't really know him. I heard this pastor say, and I think I've shared this in here. If Jesus is not captivating, you've been deceived. If he's boring, you've been deceived. Jesus came to repair the breach to bring us back into communion with him. But it was so much more than that. God gave us purpose, but we even, somebody was praying this, and maybe we were even singing this. But then he wanted to send us. In Psalm 110, verse 1, it says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Passion Translation is amazing. It says, Yahweh said to my Lord, the Messiah, sit with me as enthroned ruler while I subdue. That's that word again out of Genesis. While I subdue your every enemy, they will bow low before you as I make them a footstool. For your feet. Acts 10 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's Jesus, but then also, guys, it's a picture of us. He actually ascended, sat at the right hand of God. It says, waiting until his enemies have been made his footstool through us. Ephesians 3:10, it says, It's the manifold wisdom of God that he would, the manifold wisdom of God would actually be released through the church 
to principalities and powers, meaning to the kingdom of darkness. Jesus came in 1 John 3, 8 to undo and destroy all the works of the devil. Tag, you're it. This is really what walking in the narrow way is. It's not just about being with Jesus, it is. But it's actually about being commissioned as an agent of heaven to actually carry out the very works of Jesus until his kingdom is consummated when he comes back again the second time. Like that's pretty exciting to me to actually know that I've been actually tasked as an agent of heaven. Not just waiting for heaven to come get me and swoop me out of this place, got my rapture ready kit and I'm ready to go. No, 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 no. You've actually commissioned me to actually destroy and undo the works of the darkness that are fleeting right now. This is what he's called us to do. I love what he says in Mark 3, 14 through 15. It says, then he appointed 12. He's talking about the disciples. It says that they might be with him. That is our always our first. That they may be with him. And then it says, and that he may send them out to preach. That he may send them out to preach. He appointed them so that they would be with him. And then he appointed them to send them. We know this verse right here, Mark 16. It says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is our charge as well. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does, does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink anything. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. Check this out. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word through their accompanying signs. The kingdom of God is not a matter of mere talk, but of great power. He is the commanding general of a very large military force in the earth, and tag you're it, if you want to be. If you want to walk the narrow road, there will be opposition. We know this. Every word it says in Mark 4, the parable of the sower, every word that's released over your life and the very word that's being released right now, it says the enemy comes immediately because of the word. Proverbs 30 actually says every word, it says, will be tested, and it says, and refined. Which is awesome, because we're going to pass the test, and then I would say even the refining, words that have even been spoken over your life and things that you've been holding into your heart, you know it's way bigger than what you've heard? It's so much more than what you've even wrote down in your notepad. He will refine it, broadening it, stretching out your tent post. Amen? Every word will be tested, and every word will be refined. But I believe there's a grace falling upon us to where we're not going to be like the ones that are super distracted. Why would Jesus, in Hebrews 12, say, looking unto Jesus, cast off all the distractions, cast off the weights and the sin. He's talking to a church. Cast off the weight and the sin that so easily besets you or entangles your feet and run the race or walk the narrow road that's been marked out for you. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your journey, who despised the shame, he sat down at the right hand of God. 
Because the joy that was set before him, the prize. May we be captured by the prize. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, Where there is no revelation, or I'd say where there is no prize, or where there is no enlightenment in terms of your, your eyes and seeing, it says, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. Check out the Passion Translation. When there is no clear prophetic vision, it says, people quickly wander astray. We read this in Hebrews 12 last week. Therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things we have heard, which is the word of God, lest we drift away. Back to Proverbs 29. When there is no clear prophetic vision, people will quickly wander astray. But when you follow the revelation of the word, heaven's bliss fills your soul. So I believe tonight the Lord is actually going to give us fresh prophetic vision for your very life. Psalm 139 says there is a book written about your life sitting in heaven. All the days of your life were ordained and they were actually written inside this book. And I believe that the Lord wants you to read that book. I'm praying this for my own life. God, give me vision. Enlighten the eyes of my heart so that I can see. So like Habakkuk 2 says, so that I can write it on a tablet. I can hear it, I can see it, and I can run. And those people that are walking with me in life can do the same. There will always be a contest to what God has said. What did he say to Adam and Eve? Did God really say? What was that guy talking about on Sunday? Bro, I got to go, man. I'm hungry. Oh, Instagram. Oh, golf. Oh, the wide road. So many options, so many choices. The narrow road. No, God did say. And just like Abraham, against all odds and against all hope, it says, in hope, Abraham stood fast and believed. Stand fast on what God has said. Do not waver to the left or to the right, just like he told Joshua. You have to meditate on this word day and night. Do not move off that channel regardless of what your natural eyes see. I'm not going to be able to finish my message well, guys, let's just go ahead and close our, our eyes. Um, he always confirms the word with signs. I had three, like, I called them narrow steps, which is love God and people, be filled with the Holy Spirit, being divinely um, filled with His Spirit, endued with power from on high, filled with His gifts, and then prayer, uh, being a house of prayer. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I just bless um, this moment. I bless this moment. Lord, I, I ask that there would be a, a grace that would fall on your people right now where there would be a John the Baptist type consecration that would fall upon us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you fan the flame, God, right now on the inside of everybody. You fan the flame on the inside. Just like Abraham, against all hope and hope, Abraham believed and he became the father of many nations, the father of faith. Lord, would you awaken, in Jesus' name, the giants on the inside of your people. Let's keep pressing into the Lord. I'm going to read one thing out of Proverbs 3. It says, let not mercy, that word also means love, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. 
it says that Jesus grew in favor and stature and wisdom with both God and man. The reason why is because he decided that he was going to love people. What man desires is unfailing love. This may be our greatest step. We need to have fresh prophetic vision for our life. We need to give our yes to Jesus. A part of that is making a decision that I will love God and I will love people all the way to the very end. All the way to the very end. So Jesus, we thank you for this sweet moment in your presence. You said that you would confirm the word released by signs. God, even now, and if you want this, you can just pray this. He'll do it because I believe that this was what he wanted to do. Lord, I bless now that there would be a release of your Holy Spirit in this place. We think it says the train of your robe fills the temple. It wasn't just that it filled it in just a moment, but it was a continued feeling of glory and power. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Lord, we thank you that we are with you and you are with us, and that we abide in you and you abide in us. These men were untrained and ordinary, but says they had to take note that they had actually been with Jesus. So would I bless our people, God, even now, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, that you, we, we just ask, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be released, that there would be a fresh baptism, as you said, wait here in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high, that you would actually release your anointing and that we would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Lord, we thank you that even now that there is a fresh grace, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit with you, fellowship with the Holy Spirit, fellowship in knowing you, hearing your voice, like it talks about in Revelation, the clear, crystal clear river of your voice being manifest, God, even now as we pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And everything that's in this place that has terrorized your people, it says the angel of the Lord pursues them. May the angel of the Lord now pursue all heaviness, depression, anxiety, Go in Jesus' name. A voice box that sounds very familiar like it's your own voice. It's not your voice. We break that off in Jesus' name. And Lord, may your people know your voice. The people, it says, the sheep will know your voice. And it says, and they will not follow the voice of a stranger. It says they will flee. May they flee every thought, every rogue idea, every rogue look in Jesus' name. May this be a consecrated people before you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you paid a severe and significant price. You said that we're not even our own. You bought us with the very price of your blood. And we thank you, Holy Spirit. We are your people. We are the sheep of your pasture. And we enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, Jesus, we thank you. Yours is the kingdom, and yours is the power, forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.